Well, good morning, everybody. Let's start this morning with our scripture memory. Does anybody have Hebrews 2, 3, and 4? Not like chapters 2, 3, and 4. It's hard to say with, with the colon where it is. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Nobody today? We went from like 10 last week to zero? You're so tired. So you don't have it either? Oh, you did? Okay. So Darla's got it. Anybody else? All right. You remember the rule is if you're the only one, you get two. So that's cool. Absolutely it is. We did that a couple weeks ago. Absolutely that's the rule. I don't know where you were. <laughs> he wants Calvin's Institutes of Christian Religion. Can you say that into the speaker? You need to memorize the verse, yes. All right, Miss Darla. For the prize, two prizes today. Let's do Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Yes. Which at the first began to be spoken to us by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also bearing witness with both signs and wonders, various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own. Perfect. That was awesome. Well done, Ms. Darla. All right, good deal. So if you're new to our class and you're not sure what just happened, every Sunday we start with the memory review. So we have a uh, scripture memory passage. And if you memorize the verse and can say it out loud in front of God and everybody, then you, get, you can go to the prize table. And if you happen to be the only one, you can pick two. So we've got all kinds of books and CDs and lions and tigers and bears, oh my, fun stuff. So uh, today we are in week 10 of part two of Systematic Theology. So I hope you brought your Bible. If you didn't bring your Bible, you need to sit next to somebody with a Bible because we're going to be in the Scripture a lot today. So we have looked at uh, the, the first part of uh, systematic theology was the Word of God. Then we moved into the doctrine of God Himself. Uh, we've looked at the existence of God, the knowability of God, the attributes of God, the, the being of God. I think that was probably my favorite lesson of this series so far on the Trinity um, and common heresies that can pop up when we misunderstand or misrepresent or miscommunicate the Trinity. Uh, we looked at the, God's providence. Last week we looked at miracles. And then today we look at prayer. And the most important blank in today's lesson is the very first one. So if you don't take notes or if you're not used to taking notes, the one that I want you to get, I want you to make sure you get, is the very first one. So what's the definition at the top? Prayer is personal communication with God. With God. Now here's the thing that I want you to... I want us to really focus on today is that most people treat prayer as if the definition is prayer is personal communication to God. And there's a huge difference in this. So I'm going to illustrate. Sean, can you help me illustrate? All right. Sean, it's good to see you. It's good to talk to you today. I uh, appreciate you being here. appreciate everything you do for me. Uh, I want to make sure that you understand I need five things from you. I need you to make sure that if new people come in the door, that you've got tables set up. Looks like you're doing a good job with that, so fantastic. I need you to make sure that when we're done today, that you coordinate putting up all the chairs stacked up in uh, stacks of seven up against the wall. 
Uh, number three, I need to make sure that you're in the lobby welcoming people when they come in because that is very important. Number four, I can't really remember. I've kind of gotten distracted. And then number five, thanks again for being here. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Oh, and uh, your wife said I could talk to you, so I'm, I had this conversation in her name. Cool. <laughs> Now, is that not typically how we pray sometimes? Like, oh, I've got 30 seconds, I can get it. And the problem with that is that is to, T-O, that is personal communication to God and just not reflective of relationship at all. That's a problem. So we're going to look at several different things today uh, that look at this from a different angle. So as you know, we've been using Wayne Grudem's systematic theology text. So the, the green text on the page is all the quotes from his uh, work. Uh, so I'm to make sure that it's with. So if you want to just circle the word with in that definition, it's probably a good thing to do too. Just circle that word with in the definition. Prayer is personal communication with God. So then a couple things here. Why does God want us to pray? Which is a neat question, right? So why, why does God want us to pray? Well, Grudem lists a few reasons here. Number one, prayer expresses our trust in God and is a means whereby our trust in him can increase. So let's look at Matthew 6, 9. Matthew 6, 9. The blue text are the Bible passages, and that's where we'll be today. Who's got Matthew 6, 9? In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. So there is a, there's a reverential respect there's an acknowledgement, there's a trust here that says life is not all about me. There's some dependence that I have on someone else, right? What is uh, Matthew 20, or I'm sorry, Luke 11, 13? Luke 11, 13. These sword drills today. How many of you grew up in churches with sword drills? You know what sword drills are? Some of you are looking at her like, what's a sword drill? It's where the pages of your Bible fray if, you're, if you do it long enough. The sword drill is. Luke eleven thirteen. Who's got it? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Absolutely. So, so this idea that there is something that God has to us when communication occurs, right? So Matthew twenty one twenty two. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. In prayer. Right? So there's some, there's some connectivity to receiving and trusting and having this relationship with prayer. So Grudem's second option here is uh, our second idea for why God wants us to pray is prayer brings us into deeper fellowship with God. Um, can anybody identify with this? You, just, you spend time having a conversation with someone, you get to know them more. Um, perhaps there's somebody that you work with, right? that you don't know very well, but you'd like to get them to know them a little bit better, and you see them out somewhere, and you go, you know what? I bet if we spent a little more time together, I bet we'd be really good friends. You, you have anybody like that? Right? Maybe? Just yeah. possibly? Um, and what happens when you go spend that time? Hey, yeah, that's actually a pretty nice person. That works out pretty well. Cool. That's good. Um, and so we get this idea that we have deeper fellowship with God. Just This is time. This is investing time. So number three, uh, God allows, uh, prayer allows us as creatures to be involved in activities that are eternally important. To be involved in activities. I have a note here in my notes. I don't think it's on your handout. 
Uh, but prayer is an expression of the active nature of our faith, and, and Christianity is not a passive religion. It is not a, oh, you know what? We're good. We'll keep at arm's length. We won't engage. We won't. No. Christianity is get involved. Um, one of my favorite authors uh, wrote a book. Oh, that's what authors do, so that's probably pretty good. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, sometimes commas don't end up in the right spot when they come out. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, he, he wrote a book, and he was talking about engaging with the world and how our hands ought to be bloody because we are getting involved in the mess that is present in the world. And when we don't, when we look down and we have clean hands, it's a sign that we're not really getting involved like we should because life is messy and life is hard and life is not have 90-degree edges and corners and everything lines up perfectly. Um, and if you work hard in school, that doesn't mean you'll get a seven-figure job and have success the rest of your life in America. It doesn't work that way um, because that's just not the way things work. So, so we have this idea that it helps our trust, it helps our fellowship, uh, and it helps us to be involved. So, so let's talk about uh, the way... I'm, I'm going to make a statement here and, and paraphrase Grudem in that it is that prayer changes the way God acts. Prayer changes the way God acts. And there's a, there's a lot of theology being communicated in this little phrase. There's a lot of theology. So let's look at a couple different examples. James 4, 2. And we all, I would argue that we all fundamentally believe this at some level, right? Otherwise, Lord, save me doesn't result in any action by God, right? So I, I think at some level we all believe this. It, I think there's a, a question as to what degree we believe this. So let's look at a couple of verses. James 4, 2. Who's got it? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. You do not have because you do not ask God, which implies what? <coughs> that the asking has some response associated with it, right? So when I had my conversation, it really wasn't. When I had my little diatribe to Sean, um, did I give you an opportunity to respond? <coughs> No, I just walked away. Amen. I'm done. There's the period. Right? That's, yeah, exactly, right? Um, there's an asking and there's a response. Luke 11, 9 and 10. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Isn't that wonderfully communal? That, I mean, there is a... There is a complete and whatever the whatever the word is for opposite of abandonment right in that verse i am with you i will help you i will guide you i will show you i will walk with you i mean this is just whew, that's nice but what was the first part so i say to you so i say to you in the next part after that ask, ask. he wants fellowship um, you guys have probably seen this floating around on facebook or maybe a video here and there but there's a um, uh, one of these links that you can click on and if the, if the earth were this big then the sun is this big and if the sun is this big then the next galaxy next to us is this big and if the galaxy here is this big and, and it just shows the vastness and the bigness of the universe and the reality is that the God who made all of that and we are this speck of a part of a pixel on a computer screen when you map out the whole universe wants us to talk to him and I just, I still can't wrap my head around that, right? 
because I have a lot of people in my life. I have people from church. I have people from work. I have people from uh, different things that I have done in my life. I have people that I know from basketball all over the world. And I don't want everybody to talk to me. I'll, I'll be honest with you, right? I mean, I, I don't. I have a capacity. And, and there are days when I come home from church on Sunday mornings and Julie will look at me and she's like, you need a minute? I was like, yeah, I just need a minute. Because, because it was too much. It was too many inputs. It just, you just have, you only have so many connections that you can work on, right? So, all right, so please don't interpret that as don't have a conversation with Jim. It's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. Um, but that the God of the universe wants to communicate with all of his creation more than we want to communicate. That just, it blows my mind. Blows my mind. Exodus 32. This is a longer passage, so 9 through 14. Who's got it? Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore... This is the Old Testament. He's not talking about us. He could be, but all right. <laughs> now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. And I will make... Because God is love, right? I mean, that's the, that's the way this works. Sorry. And I will Keep make going. a great nation of you. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord, his God, and said, Lord... Why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? You feel this ownership that Moses is laying on God? It's like, this is, this is your people. You picked them, right? I mean, they're yours. So what are we going to do with this? Keep going. Why should the Egyptians speak and say, he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of I will give to you, your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord re relented from the harm. The Lord Jesus what? Relented from the harm. What does that word mean? Uh, he changed Jesus. his mind. <laughs> Now think about that one for a second, right? I don't know where your theology is, but the, <laughs> that, will, that, will make your, that will push the boundaries of your theology right there because the Lord relented, which I am wonderfully overwhelmed that God relented of his anger here, right? I mean, how awful a story would the Old Testament have been? You know what? I'm just going to wipe this whole people out and we're going to start with another people because he, he did that with the earth, except for eight people, right? So, this is good. The Lord relented from his anger, and what? Which he said he would do to his people. Prayer changes the way God acts. Second um, Chronicles 7.14. Somebody's probably got this one memorized. If, if my, my people, people <laughs> right? Called by my name, will humble himself and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear what, what, Well, you skip past the most important word. Then, right? Then I will what? Hear from heaven oh. and will forgive their sin and heal their land. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Prayer changes the way God acts. And then 1 John 1 9. 1 John 1 9. Miss Cheryl, if you walk out of here today, I'm going to chase you down. 1 John 1 9.
And this is the one that applies to everybody, that everybody can kind of relate to. This prayer changes the way God acts. If we confess, then what? Yeah, but we have to be at church to confess, right? I mean, it says you have to be at church. It has to be Sunday morning, and you have to be dressed appropriately. This is, this is the reason my mom um, didn't think that she could get saved when the Holy Spirit was convicting her of her sin on a Thursday night in a preacher's office with her best friend. She's like, you know what? Well, I'm, it's not Sunday. I can't get saved. It's, i got to be Sunday morning. i got to be dressed right. And he's like, Dawn, we sing this song at the end of every service, Just As I Am. That actually is a correct theology of how God wants you. He's not going to leave you like that, but he wants you just like you are. And to know that the God of the universe will forgive our sin, that's hard to, that's hard to fathom. Now, the, the problem is, I don't get to walk directly up to God, the Father, and start talking. It's just not the way that works. Um, so I work at a big company, and our big company has a CEO, and I don't get to walk right up to that CEO's office and start talking. Doesn't work that way. Why doesn't it work that way? Because I am not an executive. <laughs> Right? There's a chain of command. There's people you have to go through. There are people that, that I would have to convince, that would have to, con I don't know how many people I'd have to convince, actually. I'd have to convince a lot of people <laughs> to convince, to convince, to convince, to just kind of go, hey, I need 30 seconds. And even then, he reserves the right to go, uh, no, you don't. Or, no, you don't. <laughs> just period, right? So, so what we need with God the Father is somebody to take my hand and walk me into the presence of God the Father. So I need, I need somebody to be my mediator right now. Somebody to be my mediator right now. We'll say Julie's God the Father. We'll stretch our theology a little today. So I need somebody right now to be my mediator and to walk me. Thank you. Here we go. So this is what this looks like. I'm going to bring you... I'm, I'm going to go all the way over. I'm going to get close. I'm going to go all the way over. Okay. So that... Now, now you've got to tell her that... Tim's here to see you? I don't know. There you go. I, I died on the cross, and here he is. <laughs> right. So, 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 do you see this? Now, we all naturally understand this, because this is how most of us were introduced to our spouses. There was a mediator that bridged the gap between where we were and where we wanted to be and completed the relationship. See, this picture is in marriage, too. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you. Lady Jesus. Um, <laughs> boy, that was just... <laughs> mm. That's a tough one right there. Um, so, so here's your next blank. We need a mediator to come between us and God and bring us into God's presence. And this is real. I mean, this is... I just don't get to walk up to God and start talking. That's just not the way this works. Um, so 1 Timothy 2.5. Here's my verse on this one. No, what, what translation are you reading? 1 Timothy 2.5, right? There is how many gods? One God. Okay, we learned about that a couple weeks ago. All right, I'm good with that one, but there's, there's lots of ways to God. There, there, that's what I read on the Internet. There are <laughs> lots of ways to God. That's what I see on the TV. That's what I hear on the radio. There are lots of ways to God. What does, how many mediators does the Scripture say that there are? One mediator. One mediator. So the amazing thing is that if 
everything that exists in all of creation, there is only one mediator that can walk us into the presence of God and can facilitate that conversation. I'm just glad he likes me. <laughs> what if the only mediator didn't love us? I mean, what, what do you do with that? What kind of hope is there there? There's no hope with that. There's absolutely no hope with that. So there's one mediator. This is good. What's the rest of the verse say? Between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. The man, so just in case we weren't sure, right, we've got to, yes. I love Paul's writing. He never lets you wonder when he's talking about Jesus. All right, so let's keep moving. So there's this little phrase that we put at the end of our prayers. What's this little phrase that we put at the end of our prayers? In Jesus' name, right? Because that's the comma before the amen. That's how we treat it a lot of times, right? So why do we say that? Jesus said, ask in his name. And that's a pretty succinct way to ask in his name. Now, can this be done flippantly? Absolutely. Can this be done in a way that even disrespects Jesus' name in that we are not taking uh, substance and holding it in high value? The Old Testament has this concept, uh, shows up, um, I grew up on the King James Version of the Bible, and this word vanity, 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 vanity is all throughout the Old Testament. And I never had a good explanation of what the word vanity meant until uh, I saw it one day. And vanity is something of no weight. It is something of no substance. It is emptiness. Uh, and real things have substance and have weight and have something to them, all right? So, marshmallows. How many, does anybody like marshmallows? I like marshmallows. We're actually going to, as a class, go and cook marshmallows. What, what's the date? Do you remember? 13th. December the 13th. We're going to have a get-together out at uh, Grant Fryer's Parents Farm. Yes, which is going to be kind of cool. So, bundle up. And we'll have a good time. Great big fire, lots of marshmallows. Marshmallows are wonderful. However, what would happen to you if you had a steady diet of only marshmallows? Yeah, you'd weigh, you, I think both are actually true. I think you'd weigh 400 pounds and you'd be sick. And in about a week, you'd have diabetes, right? This would not be good. Maybe three you, days. Maybe three days, yeah. Supersize me is coming to a, a doctor near you. So you've got emptiness. You cannot live on emptiness. We've got to have something of substance. Right? So we come to a place where there's something of substance. So the Jesus name, Jesus name has substance. There is value there. There is weight there. There is significance there. Not just because he is God, not just because of his role, not just because he loves us, because of all of that put together. There is value there. So we acknowledge to God, when we say the phrase, in Jesus' name, I am acknowledging I can't come before you except through my mediator. It's that I am counting on him. It is a declaration of my faith in Christ when I say, in Jesus' name. I am putting myself down and I am lifting him up. There's a lot in that little phrase. There's a lot in that little phrase. So let's keep moving. This was an interesting question that Grudem raises here. Should we pray to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit? Now, we talked about this a little bit in the past. Um, so, so somebody give me chapter and verse on where the Bible says you cannot pray to Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Thank you. 
<clears throat> doesn't exist. So there's no restriction against it. Now, are there any prayers to Jesus in the New Testament? Yes. Does anybody know where any of them are? They may be listed on your page in the blue font. <laughs> perhaps. Just perhaps. Somebody find me one. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. That sounds like a pretty direct prayer to Jesus, right? Okay. Anything else? Pretty much. Any other direct prayers to Jesus? There's one in Revelation. This, I think this is my favorite one. I've begun to pray this one uh, a lot more often the older my daughter gets. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. <laughs> right? I mean, I know, I know the awfulness of the world that I grew up in, and it's not getting better. You know? This is, if there was ever an argument against macroevolution, it is open your eyes and look at the depravity of man and how it is getting worse. We are not getting better. Things are devolving. It is not, we are not, we may be getting, we maybe think that we're getting smarter. We're not getting better. Those are two different things. So come quickly, Lord Jesus, absolutely. So we know definitively that we can pray to the Father. I mean, this is, this is all throughout Scripture. We have examples in the New Testament of praying to Jesus. So can we pray to the Holy Spirit? What do you think? Sure, absolutely. Is the Holy Spirit, okay, this pop quiz from two weeks ago. Is the Holy Spirit fully God? Yes. yes. Yes, he is. Can we pray to God? Yes. Cool. All in. Go for it. That works. Now, the Holy Spirit has a neat function. The role of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Romans 8, 26 and 27. This is a beautiful text. It's a beautiful text. Um, and, and I pray, I pray, oh gosh, I pray for you guys, that you will hold on to God every single day because pain and hurt and sorrow and grief are coming. It is going to happen. And I want you to be holding Jesus' hand when it hits. Because if you're holding anybody else's hand, that will not be sufficient. So what does Romans 8, 26 and 27 say? Who's got it? And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit helps us when? In our and when are we weak? Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Say that part again about the we don't know what. Uh, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. We don't know what God wants us to pray for. Okay, let's explore this for just a second. So have you ever had a situation where you didn't know how to pray? That was a resounding yes. I was expecting just one or two. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of times where we just go. So... So I, I don't know the right thing to do, and I don't even know how to phrase the question to ask what the right thing to do is. Uh, right? And so then the Holy Spirit comes along and does what? With groanings, with groanings that cannot be understood. Now, there's two ways to interpret this. You can either interpret the Holy Spirit as groanings that has groanings that can't be understood, or I have groanings that can't be understood. I don't care which one it is. He fixes it. He's bridging this gap. He takes my inability to communicate 
my situation and my dependence on God. And he, he somehow translates this into something that God the Father understands and accepts. And he does it on my behalf. And I say, that's awesome. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm not even aware of my own inadequacies. Right? If the scripture teaches me anything, is that I am far worse than I believe that I really am. I mean, this is, this is over and over and over and over in the pages of Scripture. And the Holy Spirit comes along, and He bridges the gap between my lack of communication and the Father. So the Father listens, the Son mediates, and the Holy Spirit helps the communication. When we pray, the whole Trinity is involved. It's, it's not just for our salvation. You know, the Father planned, the Son executed, the Spirit sustains... It's not just in our salvation. It's in our conversations with God. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit, they're just all involved. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So we'll pick up the pace here a little bit. Some important considerations in effective prayer. Number one, praying according to God's will. Um, here's your blank. It's important in our prayer that we not only talk to God, but we also listen to Him. But We should frequently bring a request to God and then wait silently before Him. Go to Psalm 2714, if you would. I don't know if I'd listed that one on your page or not. Psalm 2714. I didn't really understand this when I was a kid. And I'm not going to say that I fully understand it now, but I, I'm starting to understand a little bit more, I think. But, you know, then again, I'm deluded by my own inadequacy, so maybe not. Uh, Psalm 2714. Who's got it? Wait. What on the Lord? Wait. Yeah, there's got to be a better translation. Somebody have a different translation? Wait patiently. Wait patiently. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That was fantastic. We didn't practice that, by the way. That was good. Though. Wait patiently on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, in the Lord. So, in case you didn't see it the first time, poetry is all about repeating itself, especially <laughs> Hebrew poetry, right? Synonymous parallelism. So, this idea that... We're going to say it, and we're going to say it again, just a little differently. Wait on the Lord. So if you read that verse fast and you didn't wait on the Lord, stop and wait on the Lord. Uh, because prayer is what? Personal communication with God. It is two-way. It is not one-directional. It is two-way. So praying according to God's will, praying with faith. Uh, number three, obedience, confession of sins. Um, I'm just going to run through these pretty quickly. There's tons of verses here to go look up and, and study on your own if you want. Number five is forgiving others. Forgiving others. Matthew 6, 14, and 15. Matthew chapter 6 is, is what? The Lord's Prayer. Yes? So 6, 14, and 15 says what? See, Bible Gateway, don't fail me now. For if you forgive others Thank for you. their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. But I don't like that. <laughs> Can you read that again? For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. I still don't like that. <laughs> Which means you need to read it one more time. For if 
you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, so question then. What happens if I don't forgive? We have to forgive. This is, this is one of the defining characteristics of being Christian, is to reflect the nature of our God and to say, through my action, this is not normal. I am pointing you to someone who has demonstrated this for me in my life. We are, have got to be about forgiveness. So what do we do when we pray? We forgive others. Absolutely. And God will help with this. Number six is all about humility. Uh, seven is continuing in prayer over time. Uh, there's a phrase that we like to use in Baptist churches. It's a fancy phrase. It's prayer warriors. You ever heard this term before? Yes. Um, basically what this means is somebody who is stubborn enough not to quit for you. That's what this is. Somebody's going to keep praying for that thing and keep praying for that and keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. I am 38 years old. Uh, and today is my half birthday. I'm 38 and a half, yes. And... Um, that wasn't important, but I just, whenever I say a number, I wanted to be as exact as I can, and I was trying to do the math, and I was like, oh, I can do the math exactly. That's kind of easy, so good. Um, my mom has prayed for me. You guys know this. She has prayed for me every single day I have been alive, every single day, 38 and a half years. It's just amazing to me. It's absolutely amazing to me. She had a total knee replacement on Friday morning, and... I got a whole bunch of you all to pray for her. Thank you. It went wonderfully well. Uh, a lot of pain, but they did their thing. She straightened up. She had a car accident when she was 19, and her, her femur looks like an elbow. It's just really, it, you look at an x-ray and you go, that's not, that's not the femur. No, it can't look, yes, that's what it is. So they straightened everything back out, so now she can walk without a limp. How cool is that, right? Had to wait 40 years, but she can walk without a limp now, so it's pretty neat. Um, but, but she, through her consistency every single day, has developed in me a confidence in God. Because for 38 and a half years, she has regularly deposited faith in that account. She has regularly deposited faith in that account. And there are days when I need to make a withdrawal. And I do. And it's there. And... It's beautiful. There are, there, are, there are meetings that I will go to. There were events that I will have. There are things that I will be asked to participate in. And I go, I, I'm, they got the wrong guy for this. This is not right. I, it's not me. And I think, you know what? Mom's prayed over this already. Okay, let's do it. It's amazing. Continuing in prayer over time. Number eight is praying earnestly. Not just um, bring your wishy-washy prayer to somebody else. Don't take that to God. Be passionate when you talk to God. Uh, number nine, waiting on the Lord. I love this uh, sentence from Grudem here. He says, waiting patiently for an answer shows my earnestness, my sense of expectancy, and my respect. Because people that we respect, we don't rush. Right? Do we rush people that we respect? I, I try not to. And usually they're the folks that I go back to and apologize. I'm, I think I may have... 
may have rushed that. I'm sorry about that. It didn't, my bad. And maybe today we just need to repent for rushing our conversations with God, that we don't stop and listen and listen as we should. Um, number 10, praying in private. Daniel's a great example of this, right? He goes up to his bedroom and he opens the door or opens the window and he starts to pray. There's nobody else in there. It's just him. And then number 11, praying with others. You can go through and read the book of Acts and just circle all the times they got together and prayed. And you wonder, I wonder why God was so active in the book of Acts. I don't know. Maybe there's some connections there. Uh, number 12, fasting. This is not dieting, although I have a book on that up there. Um, fasting. This is the intentional deprivation of food so that my attention is focused somewhere else, so that when I feel hungry, I am reminded of my own weakness, of his strength, and that I am to direct my thoughts and my prayers there. It's a very basic concept. It's very difficult, but it's very basic. And then uh, the question that he ends with is, what about unanswered prayer? So he, the statement that he makes here is that we must begin by recognizing that as long as God is God and we are his creatures, there must be some unanswered prayers, right? Because I will pray things that I shouldn't pray. I will ask for things that I shouldn't ask for. I will ask to know things that it's not my right to know. And it is completely and totally within God's right to not answer that and to say, you know, nope. Or from my perspective, to not answer that. It, we can argue over semantics on does God answer prayers, does he not answer all prayers. I, I don't want to get into all that. Some things we're allowed to know, some things we're not allowed to know. I'm good with that, sometimes. Sometimes I still want to know, right? And it's just, I'll ask the same question over and over and over and again. But what I find a lot of times is I haven't waited for an answer. I've, I've rushed over and I've had a quick conversation and then I rush away and... That's not good. So, prayer is personal communication with God. Not to, but with. The with is important. So, that's prayer. Next week is what? You guys don't know? It's on the sheet in the middle of the table. Next week is what? Angels. And then Thanksgiving weekend, as it should happen, is uh, Satan and demons, which is... <laughs> which is, from a scheduling perspective, Daryl will probably say something to me over that. That's, that's probably just going to get me in trouble, but that's the way the, the book fell, so we'll go for that. Uh, we'll be thankful that our God is stronger than them. How's that? That'll be good. We'll spin it that way. Uh, so at the middle of your table is a piece of paper. Uh, please put your prayer requests on that. We pray over these as a table, and then uh, Miss Darla takes these, and she types them up, and we put them on our secure Facebook page. Uh, if you want to be part of our class and you're not already, just shoot me an email uh, and we can get you added to that. And uh, Pray as a group. Make sure your name's at the bottom as far as our attendance. And thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys.